Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at redtailedhawk90, and my co-host is Jade. Hi, I'm Jade, you can find me on Twitter at jadeoxfordrose, and I'll use they-them pronouns. We will be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Uh, we are going over book number 10, The Android, today. Uh, some book-specific content warnings on top of our normal content warnings uh, include being eaten alive, grief and or grieving because it's a Marco book, spiders, uh, solitary confinement mentioned, uh, genocide and biowarfare mentioned. Um, so if any of those is a, is a thing for you, then I recommend either, uh, listening with some care or skipping to the next one. All right. Well, Loki is done powering next to my microphone as instead jumped off my lap, nearly ripping out my headphones in the process. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Business as usual. Hi, <laughs> Lord. Let's yeah. Let's talk book. Let's, let's talk, talk book. I really appreciate that the first comment Danielle put in our shared document for this episode is, "Are you ready for some pain, Jade?" <laughs> so here we are, book ten. <laughs> book as, ten. As, as as Danielle already said, it's a Marco book. Yep. And uh, our boy's had a haircut and is feeling self-conscious about it while trying to play down that he's feeling self-conscious about it. And the mm -hmm. amount of crap he gets throughout this book yeah. genuinely bothers me. <laughs> like, that's a mean thing to keep drawing attention to on a 13-year-old. Yeah. Like, I was horrifically self-conscious at that age. Mm-hmm. Like, there was this thing doing the rounds on Twitter about, like, post a picture of the teen you and te and how you look now. Mm -hmm. The only pictures I can readily find from my teenage years are school photos because I avoided cameras that much. Mm -hmm. And this was pre-smartphones and ready digital cameras. <laughs> Benefits of being old. <laughs> I say turning 35 in April like I am some sage. No, but, but I felt like that very keen sense of, oh, yeah, no, I've been there, Marco, and I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel bad because, like, I think, I think he wants to like it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a little bit vain, or he plays yeah. up the part of being a little bit vain, but he puts stock in the fact that people think he's cute. Yes. Probably because ha 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 he doesn't have chance to value his other skills because society sucks. But you know. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's one of the, it's interesting because he doesn't ever talk about being smart mm -hmm. when he clearly is. He yep. him, he describes himself as being the cute, funny one, never the smart one. Yeah. Which is no. interesting and upsetting. Never mind he bullshits an entire paper and gets a B on it. I wish I could. I wish I had that skill. I will say Jake's the one that comes up with the clutch title for said paper. It's just like, which is nice. I just like seeing those touches of that Jake isn't dumb. 
mm-hmm. either, which it, I think it's easy to write off those kinds of characters as being not as smart, but mm-hmm. like Jake is a savvy kid. Yeah. So. Yeah. And he's hung out with Marco his whole life, so he knows how to keep up with Marco. Yeah. Um, I, I have the name of this hairdresser, Charisse. <laughs> So, but yeah, we've got some usual Marco self-aggrandizing. Mm-hmm. Um, then a little bit of a reality check, like just like cutting through his own posturing, mm-hmm. and then we go into our explanation of the Yerks. And what I noticed about that is how much technical detail Marco gives compared to the mm-hmm. others. Yeah, and I was, and I was like, I like that, and the way he describes it. Um. And this is probably because of the perspective of Marco knowing that uh, his mother is now the human control of Avisa One. But when he, we have lines like, a body whose own true mind is shattered and helpless, mm-hmm. that is the special horror of the Yerks. Yeah. Like, this is clearly like the perspective of somebody who has thought a lot about what it is like to have one of these slugs in your head. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is probably something that spends a lot of time trying not to. But yep. these are the thoughts that Marco has. And this is the perspective he has on the Yerks. One, incredibly detail-focused. And two, very, not poetic, I guess, but the significance isn't lost on him. Mm-hmm. But it's not like a directly emotional reaction in the way that some of the others are. Yeah. It's sort of, it's both detached and empathetic. Right. But in a removed way, as mm-hmm. opposed to a direct emotional response way. Which is an interesting contrast to Jake, I suppose, because Jake also tries to keep himself removed. Yeah. And as this book goes on, we see just how angry Marco actually is. Mm-hmm. So seeing him doing a similar thing to what Jake does. By yep. taking refuge in a different perspective, so not to wallow in the righteous anger. Because as as we go on, we have Marco talking about uh, his mum, mm-hmm. uh, how they thought she died, uh, drowned, and that they found out that she was still alive. And uh, where's that really upsetting? Line? Oh, it's it's right after that. It's a. It's, it's right uh, after that. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you share that with our friends, Danielle? <laughs> A very powerful Yurk had taken her body. I don't even know how long she was a controller before she disappeared. I don't know how many times her goodnight kiss was the action of a Yurk trying to pass as a human. Just, just great. And it's great because later in this book, we get exactly how long that was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it hurts a lot. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so we have our, uh, we have that, we have that just like emotional punch in the face. Um, we also have um, like Marco mentioning our fangor by name and like yep. pivoting to talk about how the universe has heroes, which is interesting because we know he likes superhero media. So it's kind of mm-hmm. that little touchstone. We get uh, a reference to Lord of the Rings in this book as well. Mm-hmm. And like that's a nice sort of touch on small groups against impossible odds trying to defeat insurmountable evil. Yeah, I I see you, Kay Applegate. I see. You. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure the word yerk actually comes from Elvish, oh. an Elvish word that's in 
Lord of the Rings. I forget what oh. it is. Um, but yeah, we get a quick shuttle through of the group. Rachel, who thinks she's Xena Warrior Princess, Tobias, Bird Boy, Cassie the Tree Hugger, Axe, our resident Andalite, and of course our fearless leader, my boy Jake, my way too serious best friend Jake, responsible, practically adult Jake. Jake who grinds my nerves with his total refusal to just have a good time. Because Marco <laughs> is trying to convince Jake that they should absolutely morph into dogs and go to a concert. Because it's a, <laughs> like an outdoor concert in the park. And what yep. I love about this is fucking Jake's not like, that's a bad idea. Just like, I'd be a hypocrite if I said yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is incredibly good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... And Marco's trying to sell it on who's going to be here. This is some good bands at this concert, so which just puts yeah. some credence to where in the where in the US is Animorphs, because we have Nine Inch Nails, Alanis, and Offspring, and I'm yeah. there just like, dang. Also, way to date yourself, but dang. <laughs> uh, I I like um ha- how similar to when. In, in Cassie and Rachel's relationship, uh, one of them has already made a decision and they're just kind of looking for the other one to give them enough reason to go through with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing is happening here with Marco and Jake, mm-hmm. where Jake is already on the fence and we see Marco recognizing that mm-hmm. and then just like giving him a little bit more that he needs. And, and even... Uh, the the last straw here is uh jake says you know the only possible way i could go along with this is if i found out you were going to this thing anyway <laughs> then see i'd have to go along reluctantly just to watch your back <laughs> and marco's like jake i'm going to this concert whether you like it or not <laughs> but yeah i mean this is lovely but it's also uh in so often is the way of animals this is a very cute they're just kids' way of reflecting how their dynamic plays out in worse situations. Mm-hmm. Because it's Marco suggesting the thing. And, like, basically, by telling Jake the thing, it gives Jake the reasoning to do it. Yep. So, you yep. know. Which is, a, that, which is there amongst all the thing of, like, Marco feeling self-conscious because uh, Jake is staring at his hair. Yeah, uh, God. <laughs> like, I know that they meant for it to just be like he's self-conscious mm-hmm. uh, and he's a teenager. But mm-hmm. like the way that they word it, I ran gay. my fingers through my new shorter hair. It was cool looking. I wasn't even going to pay attention to the way Jake just stared at it. It looked cool. That, that's pretty gay, K.A. <laughs> is what that is. It's good. <laughs> I also appreciate that part of this pitch is uh, Marco uh, pretending to assert that uh, Alanis Morissette may be a controller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and how this is part of their sacred duty uh, yep. to do this, but uh, but it's great. Uh, so they've got this. Uh, Jake is going to morph Homer, which we've seen before, and Marco has picked up an Irish setter morph because girls love Irish setters. <laughs> I also appreciate that he has the hit, hit, hit. and then in, <laughs> and he credits it as "I laughed my evil laugh." I gave Jake a look, and he laughed too. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's just very cute and good. And also just like, I don't need to be called out like this by Marco no-name Animorphs. <laughs> like, I don't need this. <laughs> um, but yeah, and there's this touch of this. Uh, Marco's just like, I just wanted to sneak into a concert. I d- this was meant to be an innocent thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't. Yeah, I had not decided to uncover one of the greatest secrets of human history or become the person who would defi- decide the fate of an entire race. I just wanted to hear some music. It should have been no big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, buddy. Yep. Everybody else gets to have fun, weird little uh, cold opens where they do fun stuff and it doesn't have any impact on anything. <laughs> Uh, so they decide to go to the concert. Uh, they head out to the part of the city where the concert's happening. It's in like an outdoor amphitheater type thing at the city park. Um, they head there. There's thousands of people there. Um, and they duck into an alley. I guess that it's kind of near to downtown. They duck into an alley. Um, and are able to hide their clothes clothes and morph dog. Um which is and it's uh Marco's first time morphing. It's dog Marco's and, more first time. Yep. And Jake's like, don't be too happy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just okay. Yeah. Uh Marco definitely gets caught up in happy dog brain. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just like in the in the in the saddest way possible mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh he makes the the comment when he morphs and the dog brain kind of comes up that dog happy is very different from human happy according to marco mm-hmm. uh where is it in this thing i, I know i copied it but Oh, there it is. See, uh, I was so happy. I was beyond happy. See, dog happy isn't like human happy. Human happiness always has this little voice in the back of your mind going, don't be too happy. Keep your guard up. Something bad could still happen. And like, hey, Marco. Yeah. Marco, that's the trauma. <laughs> trauma, buddy. <laughs> and like, what I find what's interesting as well is, I mean, given what we learn later in the book, uh, where he's comment the Irish setter's brain didn't feel like some strange animal. It felt like it was just tapping into a part of my own mind. Mm-hmm. It was a perfect fit with the goofball part of my own brain. Yep. So. But yeah, uh, head to the concert. Uh, almost get hit by a car, which utterly unbothered by because he can smell he can smell some other dog pee on a curb, which is so much more interesting than getting hit by a car, than possibly getting hit by a car. <laughs> um. And just sort of like it's getting overwhelmed, uh, or not overwhelmed. You just like just the sheer variety of sense. Because when they've done wolves, they've not mm-hmm. been in this kind of environment, right? And uh, he's just like taking in all the different uh, sort of sense of people, what he can figure out about them, which is going to become real important real soon. Mm-hmm. Um, Gets petted by some hippie girl, which you know he says hippie eventually. But the first thing is uh, one of the first things is the uh, the scent of patchouli oil. So you know <laughs> that's one of those things that I actually found out. I genuinely really like the scent of patchouli. I have to say, mm. but it's sort of like, oh dear, I am 
walking into some stereotypes, aren't I? <laughs> but uh, I do appreciate how I feel, <laughs> just like how good it feels to get petted and scritched behind the ear. Yeah. As described, it's just like, ah, oh, yes. <laughs> Very good. And that's when we get that tapping into the comment about happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Marco's just having a great time getting pet by this girl and uh, while her boyfriend watches. And then Jake's just like, that's nice, Marco. Very dignified. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? You're going to lick yourself? And uh, then Marco gets passed over by a cuter dog. And I'm sorry, but I do think an Irish setter is a cuter dog than a Labrador or a Golden Retriever. <laughs> Personal preference, perhaps, but also. The ears on Irish setters are just the best. They're <laughs> fluffy. <laughs> Dogs are great. Okay, I think we all know this, but it does bear stating for the record. The uh, the alternative thesis of this book, as well as here is Marcos Choma, is also dogs fucking great. And yep. here's why. Yep. Um, but yes, as soon as this girl starts playing, like going to pet Jake, Marcos like, okay, that's enough playing around. Let's get closer to the stage. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so they go into the crowd close to the stage, um, and they find some kid passing out flyers for the sharing. Uh, but the problem is this kid doesn't have a scent. He doesn't smell like anything. Uh, and we cut to uh, them explaining this to the rest of the group. Um, can I just say how glad yes. I am that we started doing this after Dumb Kids started? Because if I had read this before and then we met Alma, <laughs> I would have been there just like, yo! And I have, <laughs> as has been known by anyone that listens to Roomware, when Jade figures something out, they're really bad at keeping their reactions to themselves. <laughs> so, uh, but yes. I mean, Brian was right on top of it, too. Mm. He was. Yeah. Oh, Genre sav- savvy bastard that Brian is. Uh-huh. So he, he, he was right on it. But, um, there, and then we, yeah, we have this meeting and, uh, at Cassie's barn as per usual. I really, this is interesting where, cause Rachel seems really combative mm-hmm. with Marco in this book. And I think, especially coming right off the back of a Cassie book where her and Rachel are so tight, mm-hmm. Rachel feels mean in this in a way that she doesn't normally Mm. and i hope that's kind of a bit of an anomaly because she and marco always bicker right but a lot of time it feels like it's kind of almost more good natured than anything in this book it feels like she doesn't like him yeah which is an uncomfortable thing to read for me personally Mm -hmm. as somebody that's like constantly worried that the people I'm spending time with don't actually like me. Mm-hmm. You know, that good, healthy, untraumatized thing to feel. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's there, and Rachel's trying to downplay it. Right. Just like, what do you mean he didn't smell? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's this whole vibe. And then we, uh, we have that, Rachel being all like, Pew. And Jake being Jake about it, just like, you've been in Wolf Morph, you know how good the scent is, the dog's sense of smell is almost that good. Mm-hmm. And I like the detail that Rachel shakes her head as if disagreeing, which is what she does when she's frustrated. Mm-hmm. I like that little uh, physical tick of characterization with her. Yeah. But uh, 
we have a bit more of a breakdown about um, having had the rundown on Jake from about Rachel and uh, Cassie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just, it's very Marco. It's, yeah, it is. It's. And, Marco then also calling out Cassie and Jake for liking each other and not doing anything except for like they're about 12 seconds away from doing something insanely dangerous. Then they'll kind of give each other these pathetic sad looks. Yep. And it's just like, like Marco, you're right, but that doesn't mean you should say. It. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. <laughs> they continue like there's the whole description of everybody uh because it's the beginning of a book and we need to get descriptions of everybody um and uh marco is struggling to keep everybody on topic because everybody keeps getting distracted um and marco's trying to basically figure out why what does it mean if a person doesn't smell like a human like what like doesn't smell like anything Really, yeah, and they um, they know that it's not because um, this person uh, Eric is a controller because Chapman still smells human, right? Um, we have another dig about Marco's hair. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple from Rachel, um, and but they realize like we do need to uh, figure this out. And I do like that it is, uh, they're just like, we could surve- we, uh, infiltrate the sharing, do surveillance, go back to the concert. And Cassie's like, why don't we just look in the phone book? <laughs> it's just like, yes. <laughs> and, and I feel, I appreciate Marco being like, well, that's not the cool thing. It's not being a superhero. <laughs> and then Rachel's just like, yeah, well, that's not real. And then has another dig about his And this is where I feel like this feels mm, bad. Mm. And Marco tries to shoot back an insult, and all he can come up with is that Rachel is tall. <laughs> so, which is funny. Yep. So, and he's aware enough. Like, somehow this brilliant comeback did not cause Rachel to break down in tears. Mm-hmm. So, but they figure they'll, there's only six kings listed in the right part of town because Eric transferred schools. Right. Um, um, and J- uh, mm-hmm. go for it. Jake has homework, uh, has an English paper, and Marco's just like <laughs> uh, blowing it off. Uh, Rachel's dad is in town, um, so uh, but Cassie's free, so it, it's her, Marco, and Tobias uh, going to go do a do a search uh, before night falls. Yeah, yeah they're and, trying to figure out uh, mm-hmm. where Eric lives, essentially. Mm-hmm. Which Eric in the phone book is the right Eric? Right. Which Eric King? Mm-hmm. Uh, next day, cafeteria. Marco is trying to write his English paper, and this is some big university mood mm-hmm. vibe right here. Eating while also cramming the homework assignment that's due. Yep. So <laughs> Jake sits down, asks if Marco has a topic. Marco says, I've already written three pages. What do you mean, do I have a topic? But Jake knows me. So, do you have a topic? A topic will emerge. I'm just going to write until I discover a topic. The topic will rise from these pages. It will reveal itself reveal itself to me. I just have to keep writing. <laughs> Jake, like, here's a topic for you. The use of total bull in the writing of English papers. 
I am the master of bull. Three pages so far, and I haven't actually said a single thing. <laughs> was it Jen in the server who was just like yes. bad school mood? <laughs> <laughs> um, they did find where Eric King live lives last night, um, and uh, <laughs> um, there's a gross thing about window peeping, uh, but Cassie is of course the moral center and didn't let marco be totally gross um and then we get back to the actual funny thing of marco continuing to try to write a paper on the topic of how to write a thousand words and say nothing mm -hmm. um and jake offers this bomb of topic of the use of rhetoric to obscure a lack of content <laughs> that's brilliant it means the same as the use of total bull but it sounds so much better <laughs> it's just incredibly good I do appreciate yeah. that just before that Marco makes the gag of I'll help I have plenty of time I'm dropping out of school this afternoon right after the teacher gets done laughing at this paper mm -hmm. so but um, he gets back to his homework we see an arrival of uh, Chapman uh, which is really just a lead in to Marco thinking about his mother's funeral yeah um, and the and fact that Eric was Eric there been there um yeah we uh marco thinks back to his mother's funeral a funeral without a body some other kids from school had come so i didn't think anything much about it still it was a nice thing for him to do and now he was working for the sharing um and there's a little bit of exposition here about how the sharing is a front to try to get voluntary controllers because it's easier um and marco goes back to his memory about um uh he remembers turning around to look at the church um during the fu the funeral service um and most people were sad and crying but Eric had been there about 3 rows back he was wearing a suit that was probably scratchy and uncomfortable but he didn't look solemn. He looked angry, and he was shaking his head slowly, barely, from side to side, as if he was unconsciously disagreeing with everything the priest said. At the time, I figured he was mad because he had to dress up. I understood that. And now Eric had reappeared, the boy who didn't smell human, the boy who worked for the sharing. Uh, and Marco has suspicions that Eric knows something about his mother being yerked instead of dead. Um, we cut to the next chapter. We get some fun things about talking about flying. Yep. Uh, congrats to Marco for finishing his English paper nine seconds before the teacher came to collect it uh, <laughs> and then gone to history and got assigned another paper. Mm -hmm. which the cycle of school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, he, go, he sort of like goes flying off the roof of the school he's like sneaks up there flies off mm -hmm. and it's real like i like the way he talks about flying and like the escapism of it yeah so yeah uh which is it's just cool we get uh some explanation of how the flight works uh he gets to the right neighborhood which they identified um and when marco's close enough to thought speak he's like Yo, Tobias. And he's just, uh, Tobias is just like, I've been watching you for 20 minutes. 
Um, and they're just like, by the way, when I count to three, you need to bank a very sharp, very fast turn, life turn. Why just do it? <laughs> one, two, three. And uh, he does. And Marco, to his credit, after mm-hmm. that one question, does exactly what he's told. Yep. Which I feel is very good and telling about Marco because he's about to get dive bombed by Peregrine Falcon. Yep. So, and. <laughs> I love how Tobias does the same little evil laugh. We have the same yeah. <laughs> um, which is great. It's just sort of like, eh, he probably thought you're a duck because you were clumsy. <laughs> and, and I love how like Tobias then proceeds to shit talk this peregrine falcon. I know. <laughs> he He's missed, right? He I know that he bird. Is. He's not as good as he thinks he is. Yeah, He's taken a shot at me before. <laughs> <laughs> Just Tobias shit talking other birds. It's just yep, mwah. it's great. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But we have the two of them uh, flying around, uh, and uh, Tobias is about to to bounce, or he's going to get ready to bounce because he's hungry. Um, and then we see uh, Eric getting closed on by some bullies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric uh, runs and. Ends up colliding with the side of a bus, just like bouncing off the side of it, not in a car crash kind of way. Yeah. Um, and before we get to that, so we have like Tobias just like, I should attack that guy. Yeah. Well, normally they help Eric because this could be bad, but also like Tobias has his own history of being bullied. Mm-hmm. So, and Tobias is full ready going for it. And that's when Eric slams into the side of a bus. Yeah. And for a second, the two boys, Tobias and Marco, uh, see that for a moment Eric isn't there yeah. it's something that seems to be made of patches of steel and milk white plastic and then he's back to being Eric and neither of them are sure what they saw but they know it wasn't human yeah and they both saw it they both saw it yeah uh, so they split up Tobias goes to talk to Axe uh, Marco goes home and calls Jake um, Ends up speaking to Tom for a bit first, which is yep. uh, upsetting. Yeah, uh, and Marco's just like very cognizant of what he has to say, and Tom and Tom's just like, "Oh yeah, we're going up the lake to go some skiing, uh, do some skiing." And he's talking about how um, there's too many girls going and not enough guys. And Marco's savvy enough to go, "Why is Tom trying to entice me?" Mm-hmm. And then Tom turns the conversation to Marco's dad. Yep. And how he's doing better, and maybe he should bring his dad mm-hmm. as well. And Mar- that's just setting off all kind of alarm bells in Marco's head. Yeah. We have this line of, uh, they were after my father now. I felt something burning inside me like I'd taken a gulp of lava. I wanted to reach right through the phone and take a baseball bat to the evil creature in Tom's head. Yeah. Um, phone gets passed over to Jake. And forgetting, you know, secrecy for a moment and it, how it's been Marco from the start, who's one was, we shouldn't say anything important on the phone. Mm-hmm. Just like kicks off. Yep. Before uh, Jake is able to shut him down. Yep. Yeah. He, he full on like goes into a rant. Um, uh, but. He shuts up when Jake tells him to, and then Jake continues to pretend to have a conversation while Marco calms down. Um, uh, and then Marco's able to pass on the message that they all need to get together to talk about what he and Tobias saw. Um, and then we get this, uh, 
really interesting uh, bit about Marco's anger. Mm -hmm. Uh, I took a couple of deep breaths. Then I took a couple more. The Yerks had taken my mother. They weren't getting my father. Before that happened, I'd tell him everything. Before I'd let that happen, I'd take Tom down, too, no matter what Jake said. I'd take Tom, I'd take Chapman, I'd take every controller I knew of before I'd let them have my father. I had power. Deadly animals lived inside me. Their DNA swam within my own. <clears throat> I could feel the rage flowing through me, the blind, violent rage that became little films in my head. Little head movies of revenge and destruction. I pictured the things I would do to Tom, to Chapman, someday even to Visser Three. I would do terrible things to them. Terrible, violent things. It was a sick feeling. It was sick and I knew it, and yet I ran those images over and over in my head. Rage is addictive, you know. I guess it's sort of like a drug. Anger and hatred get you high. They get you high, but like any addiction... They hollow you out and tear you down and eat you alive. I guess I knew all that, but I could. Th but all I could think of was that they were not getting my father. So I ran the scenes of violence over and over in my head. I rode that rush of fury till at last it burned itself out and left me feeling empty and beaten. Kids, you know. <laughs> you know, they're, they're 13. You know, what gets me, and I appreciate that all of the kids, acts included, are allowed to feel angry. Mm -hmm. The text never shames them for their anger. Yep. All of the kids have their own ways of dealing with it or channeling it. Like, Rachel is the first one we saw truly angry because that's the vibe. She's the berserker. Mm -hmm. But we've seen Jake get angry when one of them is in danger. Mm -hmm. We've seen Cassie, and I want to say Cassie get righteously angry about the things that she believes in. Right. And we see with Marco just like this helplessness and this need to destroy what has hurt him to keep people safe, to keep his father safe. Mm -hmm. And how that, like, it's like Jake stops, tries to stop himself from being angry. He doesn't let himself go there, mm -hmm. ideally. Rachel channels her anger into the destruction, into being the fighter of group. Marco's like, this isn't helpful, but I can't stop feeling it, so I'm just going to sit on it and let it burn itself out. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this kid has learned some coping mechanisms, and I'm not saying they're good ones. <laughs> but this is Marco keeping... He's keeping a lid on, in, lid on it in his own way, but it's not trying to suppress the feeling. It's He's letting the feeling burn itself out. Yeah. Because he knows it's not useful to him in this moment. Yeah. I think that it's interesting in a terrible way mm -hmm. uh, how one of the first things that come to his mind is that he would kill Tom before he lets the Yerks get his dad. Um, mm -hmm. and like, granted, it's probably because he just spoke to Tom and Tom's at the forefront of his mind, but yeah, also like Marco and Jake are childhood friends. Tom is he basically, Tom. he knows Tom. Tom is basically his older brother too. Mm -hmm. Um, especially after his 
mom died, quote unquote died, and Mm -hmm. his father kind of gave up for a long time. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, Jake's family did a lot of caring for Marco. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the idea that, like, his, there's still a very clean delineation for him because mm-hmm. we see how protective he is of his family. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's like, no, I would burn down this whole fucking world mm-hmm. before I let that happen. Um, and this makes things so interesting because Cassie, as we've said, is a very moral one. Jake has these lines in his head and I, I don't know the future books. You do. But this is why Jake is the general mm-hmm. and Marco isn't because Marco would. Yep. Mm-hmm. And in the same way that Rachel is ready to throw down Marco clean cut, go, yeah, nah, he's in my, if he hurts my dad, if he is a threat to my dad, I'll end yep. him. Yep. Yeah. Marco sees, um, and I, I'm not sure if he has mentioned it yet, um, but Marco sees the clear line between A and B. He mm-hmm. sees the steps that are necessary to get from one place to another. Mm-hmm. And we, we get later him talking about how in those moments where he sees it, like the kind of perfection of that mm-hmm. sequence of events Mm-hmm. almost becomes uh powerful in its own right mm-hmm. and he feels everything else kind of drops away mm-hmm. because he knows his goal and he knows how to reach his goal and he's not afraid to get from one to the other um at the end of the day he's willing to do whatever it takes to get to that goal yeah. um it, we've got because of the beauty of when things appear online, we're doing this Q&A for dumb kids later today. Yes. Uh, and we've discussed, it's come up on this podcast a few times, how much some of the characterization uh-huh. in dumb kids has mirrored the canon. It hurts me. I, I did it on purpose and it hurts me. Yeah, but it's like the amount like it's very easy to read and go, oh, this person is this. But the more we get to know Marco, the more I am terrified for Benny. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Also, because I know Richard as a player is more than capable of pulling that ripcord and going there. Uh huh. <sighs> it's gonna be so much. <laughs> Listen, really I've glad. been I've been laying the paving stones in front of Richard this whole time, and he's been following them and. I can't stop now, but yeah, um... you are you are Gromit in the wrong trousers, laying down the track. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a breakneck speed, so we don't run out. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I decided that my character's things just like I'm going to be there for the people when they make the bad choices and uh-huh. support them, so they know they're not alone. I'm great. I'm going to be fucking climbing up on this martyr pyre, aren't I? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> These are the choices that we have made. It's very good. Yeah, you should listen to Dumb Kids Playing Hero. Lovely Animorphs fan. If we us talking about, it. we're I'm very yeah. proud of the story that we're telling. But anyway, let's get back to this story. 
The kids are in the woods. Axe yes. makes a delightful uh, intro by leaping over the log that Rachel sat on with a hay axe, very traumatic entrance, just like, ah, Marco, your boyfriend's here. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm shipper trash. And we get the, uh, and again, in the same way that we got the very sort of clinical observation about or detailing of how the yurks work, the way um, Marco describes acts. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not emotional in the way that some of the others are. Mm-hmm. He's giving you the facts. He offers his own little commentary. Right. A little bit, but it's not the same kind of, he's got that little bit of distance from it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I like that a lot. Yeah. So, I also um, like the dig at Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Very good. <laughs> How they're just humans with little nose putties and bad outfits. Yeah. Um, and then there is the del- delightfully weird axe. Um, mm-hmm. uh, while this is going on, uh, Cassie is like, on her knees, looking in a hole. Um, and as Axe shows up, she's like, have you lost something? <laughs> and Cassie's just like, just doesn't say anything. Oh, baby opossums. So, and I love how Marco's just like, don't tell Tobias, he'll eat them. Yeah. <laughs> and and then we have this, like, yeah, we have on. this really interesting interaction between Tobias and Cassie. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, Marco kind of instigated it, but really the moment is between Tobias and Cassie and it, uh, twigs a lot of emotions in me, especially considering coming right off the last book. Mm-hmm. Um, so Marco goes, don't tell Tobias, he'll eat them. Uh, and Tobias, Tobias says, I already know about them. In a similar way to how he knows about the skunk mm-hmm. kits last book, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I looked up in surprise. He was in the tree above me. I hadn't heard him arrive. Cassie shrugged. Tobias is a hawk. He has a right to be a hawk. Then she looked up at Tobias and smiled. Of course, they are awfully cute. Oh, man. (laughs) Tobias groaned. Okay, okay. This litter is off limits. Happy now? You're a sweetheart, Tobias, Cassie said. And, like, one, Cassie having the kind of groundedness in whatever her moral center is right now to say Tobias is a hawk and has a right to be a hawk. Um, and then her and Tobias having this conversation of like, but also they're really cute. <laughs> and Tobias just being like, yeah, okay. I won't eat them, I guess. <laughs> it's like, I won't eat this litter. The emphasis yeah. is mine, not in the text. But it's sort yeah. of like, Tobias like being aware of Cassie's feelings. Mm-hmm. In the same way that she's aware of his needs. Right. And recognizing that there are other litters that he probably eats from, but we know this one and therefore it is mm-hmm. important yeah. in the way that humans do. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody gathers up. Um, they all g- now Axe is there. Uh, Jake's just like, Marco, this is your party. And turns, he explains what he and Tobias saw. Tobias adds the details. And then they look to Axe as the official alien to ask <laughs> what it sounds like to him. And Axe, bless him, this does not feel mean. But then, you know, Marco, something has happened to your hair. I believe it has become shorter. Are you suffering from some sort of illness? And I just realized I was hardcore channeling Zach's Minos Tar voice there <laughs> because I listened to the, uh, 
<laughs> a follow the leader thing. But uh, yeah, and and Marco just like is yelling, um, mm-hmm. and everyone laughs, uh, and he's just like, "It'll grow out, it'll grow out." Besides, it's easier to take care of. And Axe is just like, "Have I said something wrong?" And Jake's just like, "No, no, Marco's just sensitive." <laughs> so, which I could I could live without. Um, but yeah. uh, as it goes on, Axe doesn't know what this is. It's not a species he knows of. And Axe is just like, Marco, even we Andalites don't know every species in the galaxy. And bless him, he sounds embarrassed, mm-hmm. which is cute and good and nice, Moving mo- him moving away from that arrogance. Yeah. That we saw. Though there's, a, there's a moment of it later, which I really enjoyed, just like a, which is just a, a little detail. Uh, Rachel is the one that says it sounds more like a robot. Mm-hmm. And Axe is just like, oh, yeah, that's possible. It's probably got a holographic projector to make it look TV, like your primitive TV, only three-dimensional. Primitive TV. Hey, we have cable at my house. Um, <laughs> which Axe doesn't find funny, but Cassie smiles. So, yeah. But they, they figure out, uh, so, and this is them just trying to talk out more. Uh, Marco posits that whether it's nuclear-powered, uh, which Axe thinks is a joke at first, which is kind of cute. <laughs> um, and they figure out that they need to figure check for sure if this is a hologram, and they need something that can see outside the usual periphery of the different wavelengths of light. Yeah. And I was there just going, ah, Bonaparte's goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, sadly, not a Bonaparte's goal. Um, and it's time to find a new morph, as Marga says. Some gross morph. And he's just like, no more bugs, please. And uh, it's not a bug, as Cassie is quick to <laughs> dis, dis, uh, quick to point out. Yeah. They draw it's straws just- about who gets the new morph. Uh, mm-hmm. Because Axe is definitely going in because they need his expertise. Uh, but they need to figure out who's going with him uh, in this new morph. And the new morph is Spider. Uh, a wolf spider. Um, different from what's on the cover of the book because the cover shows like a tarantula um, mm-hmm. but wolf spiders are much smaller than that in general mm-hmm. um, and I feel like the way this goes on that Marco is probably arachnophobic given yes. how grossed out and uncomfortable he feels at this yes um, and there's a lot of like dragging him kind of about this yeah Jake points out that it's his mission more than anyone else's. Um, and Jake says, it, Eric's your friend. Mm-hmm. Rachel calls him a wuss. Right. Uh, and she's not, uh, doesn't want to, and lies about yeah, If I drew the short straw, I'd love to go spider. Uh, just to like egg him on. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, works at the yeah. end of the day. It does. Um, Marco pulls the straw first in the hope that he'll be beating the odds because it will have the greatest odds of not drawing the short straw. And then he does. Mm-hmm. And we have this line. It's very sweet because he's like, he gives this whole reasoning. He's like, really, it made perfect sense mathematically. And he says, I felt like crying. Mm-hmm. And Rachel, yeah. again, she's like, you know, if you're going to be a big baby, I'll do it. Yeah. And he's like, I should have just said, okay. That's what I should have said. 
What I did say to Rachel was, don't condescend to me, oh mighty Xena. Just because I'm not a reckless idiot doesn't mean I'm a wuss. I've never chickened out on a morph yet, and if Axe is in, so am I. You can hang around and be the backup, Rachel. I'm going where the action is. To which Rachel replied with a very calm, okay. And to be fair, she was probably baiting him because she knew it would work. Mm -hmm. But I really don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, her and Marco's relationship is, in general, Kat, very antagonistic. Mm. Um, and it's not always this antagonistic, but sometimes it is. It kind of varies in intensity. Mm. Um, but them sniping at each other is pretty common. Mm. Um, and mostly it's kind of in this way of... Like, Marco will enforce upon Rachel the Xena warrior princess vibe. Um, and, like, basically tell her, no, you're the brave one. You have to be the brave one here. Um, and then she'll uh, basically use uh, toxic masculinity against him and say, mm -hmm. oh, like, I can do this. Why can't you do this? Um, and in that way, they kind of keep each other moving forward in ways that are very not healthy and not really good, but work. So, yeah, and, it's... And this is why we have this yikes moment, because mm -hmm. Marco then makes this observation. Huh. See, this is why guys and girls should not be in combat together, because it's much harder for a guy to be a coward when some girl is watching, especially when she's all gung-ho. If it had just been Jake and Tobias, I would have been weeping and groveling on the ground. Yep. And, like, I don't need this, frankly. I get it from his yeah. perspective. And what I kind of like about that is that he is aware that he's just been played. Mm-hmm. But I don't need this toxic masculinity bullshit. Yeah. No, it's, it's gross. It doesn't need to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see it time and time again with Marco holding himself to the standard of what being a 13-year-old boy is meant to be. Yeah. Especially where he had to like look after his dad and be the man of the house. Mm -hmm. Like, And this is what we talk about when we talk about toxic masculinity, mm -hmm. is men feeling, and boys, feeling like they have to ascribe to a certain kind of behavior and aren't allowed to be scared, to cry. Right. right. It hurts men. That's why mm -hmm. we talk about it as such. Yeah. And like in I can understand this from the 13-year-old boy perspective. And because we're in first person, it makes sense why there wouldn't be like a commentary on it. Mm. But presented as it is, it's definitely presented mm -hmm. uh like truth as opposed to like a distortion yes and that in and of itself is a problem yeah like that's something that k as a choice that k applegate made yeah that i don't vibe with mm -hmm. yeah um but cassie tries cassie is cassie about it and explains like it's not bad how she tried the morph yesterday because of course charlotte's web was one of her favorite books mm -hmm. amusingly enough then goes marco it would be <laughs> well that was the clincher Rachel was ready to go and Cassie had already done it yep 
And um, yeah, and we have this moment of him sh- shaking yep. as he does this, but and Cassie's the one who like closes her hand gently around the spider in the tip of his finger to, to stop the spider from getting away and also stopping Marco from pulling away. Mm. Um, and the spider goes into its little trance and Marco has that observation of as he's touching the spider that he wishes the Andalites had maybe given the power to somebody else. Uh-huh. So, you know, maybe some adults. Maybe some adults. <laughs> the 20-year-old aren't doing much better, Marco. No, <laughs> no, but at least they're not children. <laughs> at least they're not children. True facts. Uh, they fly out to the mountain lake where this uh, sharing get-together is happening. Um, Jake, Tobias, no, Jake, Axe, and Marco uh, kind of split off a little bit um, because they're going to be the ones on the ground, so to speak. Um, (laughs) Jake and Marco are uh, bickering like they do about things Mm -hmm. that don't matter um, because they're afraid. And Axe interrupts saying, you know, is there something, is there some special meaning to this conversation that I don't understand? And Marco says, yeah, the meaning is that Jake and I are scared, so we're babbling in a desperate effort not to think about it. And then we get this thing from Axe. Bless, though, because he's trying to do what they're doing. Just like, ah, we talk shop when we're scared. All right. And then we get some info dump about a thing that scares I scares X. I don't really like morphing tiny animals. I keep thinking about all the rest of my mass. Your what? I asked, not really caring. I was focused on the morphing ahead. My mass. When you morph something smaller than yourself, your body mass must go somewhere. So it goes into zero space. Zero space is the space that ships travel through when they are going faster than light. It's not very likely to happen, but sometimes a ship traveling in Z space will intersect with a temporarily parked mass. This got my total complete attention. (laughs) Wait a minute. Are you telling me that when we get small, all the leftover stuff, all the extra flesh and guts and bones go bulging into zero space like some big balloon of human tissue? Of course. Where did you think all the mass went? I shuddered. I really didn't think about it. Jake was no more thrilled than I was. So right now there's a big bag of Jake floating in zero space and it's possible some spaceship will zoom along and hit it and splatter it all over. No, no, of course not, X said. I breathed a huge sigh of relief. Too soon, it turned out. Of course, no ship would actually hit a floating mass, Axe said, talking to us like we were nitwits. The ship's shielding systems would disintegrate the mass. That's what troubles me about doing small morphs. It very seldom happens. The odds are millions to one, but it could happen. Jake and I thought about this for a while, about a spaceship disintegrating some big wad of our mass. It was not a pretty picture. Hey, Axe, Jake said, you know how we wanted you to be honest with us, to tell us everything you know? Yes, Prince Jake. Small change. In the future, don't tell us things that will scare us silly just as we're going into possible battle. A big wad of Marco in zero space, I muttered, like hanging your butt out of a car window waiting for a truck to come by and sideswipe it off. Not a visual. Yep. It's and I like that when when Jake tells Axe this, he doesn't tell Axe not to tell him these things. He says, Don't tell us these things when we're going into battle. Yeah. Um Jake has to go divvy off, uh, because he's gonna be in fly morph mm-hmm. um for this. And Schmuck just like remind me, why are we doing this instead of staying at home? We're saving the world. 
Oh, yeah, great. My my mass is hanging out in the zero space highway and I'm about to become Spider-Man. I knew there had to be a pretty good reason. Yep. Uh, but I like, I do like this explanation of zero space, even as mm-hmm. if it's gross, um, because it, like, the conservation of mass is a thing and I'm mm-hmm. glad they at least spared half a moment's thought to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it begs the question where the extra mass comes from when they morph large animals, but I think the explanation there is just like you steal extra mass from zero space. Mm-hmm. Um from like other shit floating around in zero space, I guess. I don't know. Uh but it's it's interesting. Um and may come into play later. Mm, ominous. <laughs> um they land just near this gathering. Um, the uh, Axe and Marco, while Tobias flies cover, just like demorph um, and just sort of like keeping hidden and eventually have to uh, morph Ant. And Inspired. this is. Yeah, sorry. Morph Spider. There's Ant in front of me, which is why my brain did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marco reminiscing just how bad a time they had in Ant Morph. And bless Marco, close his eyes. And talks about uh, shrinking is always weird, but now I was also thinking about some big disgusting balloon of Marco mass suddenly bulging <laughs> out into zero space. Yeah, we get the usual delightfully detailed description of bones turning to yep. marrow and dissolving away and all that. And Marco's keeping his eyes shut because he doesn't want to see himself morphing. He doesn't want to see Axe morphing. And then extra eyes start opening that don't have eyelids. Yep. <laughs> so he stucks, and that. And the fact that it's described with pop, pop, pop. Yep. As well. Yep. <laughs> and then the legs start appearing, and it's gross. This is yep. uh, one of the, it's very visceral. Um, yes. What's interesting is that compared to Marco's other descriptions, I think pays credit to how much most of the time he keeps himself emotionally distant and how much he does not want to be doing this. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't normally get, these kinds of adjectives yeah in there like negative things like horrifying monstrous and stuff like that yeah so um but yeah, yeah. Uh, they morph the spiders the two of them um and yeah and they talk about uh how he's very aware of everything cuz it's all the small hairs on the spider that mm-hmm. are more sensitive and that but we have the moment of the moving in or the becoming aware of the animal's brain. Yeah. And Marco realizes that despite being tiny, that the wolf spider is a predator. Yeah. In his words, I guess it isn't size alone that makes a predator. Because as soon as I felt the edge of that spider brain, I knew this boy was trouble. The wolf spider was a killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marco gets caught up in it um not in a way because it's not described as being out of control it's described as being caught up in it really um Mm. and we get the description of the the wolf spider's brain and him trying to make sense of his surroundings and seeing movement um and then a beetle walks by him and he begins to chase it um 
I wish I could explain why I kept on with the hunt. Sometimes the animal brain takes over for a while and sort of overwhelms the human mind. But that's not what was happening to me. I wasn't overwhelmed. I was just into it. Um, he gets just about to the point where he's a, he's going to, uh, stick his fangs into this beetle when Axe interrupts him. Um, Marco, what are you doing? It was Axe. I scampered down off the beetle, feeling like I'd been caught doing something wrong. The beetle ran on, relieved to have escaped, if beetles can feel relief. Nothing. I was just letting the spider be a spider. It was a pretty good answer, I thought. I guess its instincts kind of carried me away. Marco, I morphed the identical spider, Axe said. <laughs> I felt a wave of guilt and shame suddenly swell up inside me. Axe, it was just a cockroach. Who cares? Come on, we have a job to do. Sometimes humans worry me, Axe said. I didn't ask him what he meant. Why had I gotten so into the hunt? Why hadn't I resisted the urge? I flashed on the rage I'd felt when I talked to Tom. Was that it? Uh, and then, you know, it just it, it goes off into exposition. But I think it's mm -hmm. interesting that uh, he thought that he had let that rage kind of run its course mm -hmm. but obviously it's still with him and yeah. the the feeling of power and speed and not being prey mm -hmm. uh, very similar to how cassie would get caught up in being predator versus being prey mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> it, it also reminds me of uh, when rachel got uh the grizzly morph yes Yes. Just like feeling power. And it's like, it's giving a direction and a way to channel something you're already feeling. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, and he likes it. Um, mm -hmm. and it, it, at no point during this does it feel like he can't stop. Mm hmm. Um, which definitely implies something kind of scary, I guess, about his rage that he was just going to... I mean, it's a beetle. Um, in the same way that last book, mm -hmm. it was just a termite queen. And we know which side of that debate yeah. Marco falls on. But, yeah. you know. but Yeah, but it's like we were saying earlier, Marco would make the choice. Yeah, to do it, to do it, and as with the spider, mm -hmm. and maybe it's sort of like, it's one thing to know in your head, yeah, I would do this, to letting yourself go, oh, I am doing this, mm -hmm. to like how, yeah, there's a sort of a, I suppose a freedom in that. And then he gets checked by Axe, as it were, yeah. and it's sort of like. He's being forced to think about it again. Mm hmm So. Yep. But, um, yeah. So, our spider boys, uh, joined by Fly Jake after getting startled by a grasshopper bouncing down in front of them and leaping off again. But they, uh, they scurry into the party, being all tiny. And, uh, they... There's all these people around, they're like, they don't know how they're going to find <clears throat> Eric, how they're going to recognize him because they're so far away from the faces. Right. Uh, but then they see 
um, or he sees a bare human foot, except that I could see through the skin, through the toenails. With my eight strange distorted spider eyes, I could see right through the electronic haze of the hologram. I could see what was beneath the hologram. I saw what looked like interlocking plates of steel and ivory. The foot had no toes. In fact, it wasn't shaped like a human foot, more like a paw. It was not human, and everything in my tingling, buzzing, hyper spider senses told me it was not alive. Yep. And he and Axe are like conferring, and Axe is on the posits that, yes, I think your friend Eric may be an android. Yep. And I love that Mark is like an android. Yes, a robot, a machine made to seem like a life form, Axe said, as though it was just the most common idea in the world. I feel like I was expecting <laughs> that to go, I know what an android is. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was very good um and he's just like so you know about androids and Axe is just like this is not a type of android i know it's not andalite i don't think it is yerk i don't know who or what it is um and uh we get some more observations about uh the android how it's smaller than eric appears to be and how the mm -hmm. leg is oddly constructed more like a stretched out dog leg than a human leg Mm -hmm. Um, and they realize that somebody else, oh wait, is that it? Yeah. Uh, Jake yeah. confirms that there is somebody else who yeah. appears the same way. Right. Uh, but before they can, uh, get into mm -hmm. the significance of there being two of these things at a meeting of the sharing, uh, Marco is eaten by a bird. Marco, why is it always you? <clears throat> I swear. And <laughs> it, like straight up, a bird just lands next to him and eats him. Um, mm -hmm. And being a bird, that being be a bird. bird. Yep. And he realizes what's happening and screams in public thought speak. Um, mm -hmm. on a, because the it's in the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, and the controllers would all know it was thought speak. Um, mm -hmm. But. Uh, Marco's able to somewhat control his panic to actually talk to his friends instead of just yelling in public. Um, and it, Axe says he thinks it was a bird, very big and black, it flew off. Uh, Marco calls out to Tobias to, to, to find the bird that ate him. And Tobias is like, man, there are like a dozen crows around here. I don't know which one ate you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> And Marco is dying. The spider is dying. Um, and so Marco makes the decision to just morph out, uh, which is probably what saves him. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, he explodes out of the bird uh, as he gets bigger, falls to the ground. Um, but as he's doing this, he has a. He's he's struggling because he can't think about what he looks like. And this is something that we'll see a couple of times with people with mm -hmm. these children in their dying moments um, mm -hmm. being having that, difficulty demorphing because they're thinking of all the other animals that they have been. Yeah. And um, what about the And um, we have this line. They say dying soldiers on the battlefield often call out for their mothers with their dying breaths. And I guess that's what I was doing too. But this was my real mother, the way she'd been when she was truly alive. Not the controller, not the controller known as Visa One, but my own real mom. She was smiling at me. 
She was much taller than me, but she bent down to pick me up. I flew up in the air up to her face. She kissed me. You're going to grow up to be so cute, she said. My little Marco. Marco, the human boy. I saw myself clearly then, like I was looking through her eyes at the little toddler I'd been. Not the anamorph Marco, but the little kid Marco. You know, just punch me in the face <laughs> with that. But that is enough for him to like get a grip on who he is, his human form. Right. And the process of demorphing rips his way out of a bird. Yep. Uh, hits the ground. Um, still demorphing. Yep. Uh, appreciate that. If I'd had a mouth, I would have started screaming and never stopped. But my mouth reappeared late. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and he's just there on his back, looking at the sky. And then Eric, who is looking down at him. Yep. Uh, and the first thing Eric says, after seeing Marco shift back from being a baseball-sized spider human, <laughs> Marco, didn't you used to have longer hair? The hair thing again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a girl quickly joins him. Uh, Eric, that is, and asks who it is to Eric. And his name is Marco, Eric said calmly. You know the Andalite bandits Chapman is always talking about? The ones who use Andalite morphing technology to carry on a guerrilla war? Of course, she said. Eric pointed down at me. I think this human is one of them. There it was, the end, the end of our existence as animorphs. We'd always known that if the Yerks ever discovered our true identities or even that we were humans, they would wipe us out within a matter of days. I felt sick, sick with fear for myself and for the others. I'd blown it. I'd given away our great secret. Eric jerked his head towards the girl. This is my friend Jenny. I was not pleased to meet her. I heard the sound of people rushing through bushes. Nothing over here, Eric said loudly. Jenny hurt her ankle, but I'll help her. Keep searching. I think I heard something over there. Eric must have noticed the extremely shocked and puzzled expression on my face. He grinned. There are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy, Horatio. And I'm just there, just like, that's one of my favourite lines in Shakespeare. So I got to have a geek out for a couple of minutes because <laughs> of who I am as a person. And Mark was just like, Shakespeare. I said, amazing. Yes, Hamlet. I saw the very first performance. But, but that would have been like centuries ago. Eric nodded. Do you know where I live? And Marco's like nods. And uh, Eric's just like morphed into something small enough to escape from here. Come see me at my house. Are you and your friends? We have a lot to talk about. And Marco's just like, you're not a human. We know you're an android and you're not an Andalite bandit, Eric said. And how do I know I can trust you? I could turn you in right now. I'd be Vissa 3's new best friend. Even the Vissa knows how to reward those who carry out his orders well. Maybe you want to catch us all at once, I said. Don't ask me why I was arguing with him. Maybe it was the humili humiliating position I was in. Maybe I felt like I had to act tough cause since I was on my back in the dirt wearing severely unattractive clothing. Marco, if I gave you to Vista 3, he would get the names of all your friends from you. I know you're a brave person. You'd have to be to do all you and your friends have done. But you are not brave enough to survive the Vista's torture. You would tell. I took a couple of seconds to think about that. He was right, of course. I had a healthy respect for the kind of torture Vissa 3 could inflict. We'll be there, I said. I guess we don't have a choice. You have us by the... You have us cold. Eric shook his head. It's not like that. It will be a meeting of allies, Marco. You see, 
we too fight the Yerks. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and then we get a break from plot to have our hearts ripped out and handed to us on a platter. Along uh, with some chicken. Along with some chicken. on mashed potato. Yeah. Um, so we, we cut to Marco having dinner with his dad. Um, they, he and the other animorphs spent the afternoon basically debating what to do about Eric, but in the end, they know that they have to show up for the meeting. They don't really have a choice. Um, and so Marco is sitting, eating with his dad. They're on the deck, um, on, of their new house that, uh, his dad has bought since he has, uh, gone back to his job. Um, and, uh, Marco is kind of enjoying it, but kind of also needing to ask his dad questions because he wants to know why the Yerks are interested in him. Um, uh, his dad's basically just like, oh, yeah, we're finishing up the observatory project. The software your friend No accidentally created just sort of <laughs> disappeared, which is the callback to Axe um, and his... Uh, fixing the <laughs> game on uh, Marco's dad's computer. I do um, appreciate that um, you could probably ask our fr friendly, uh, my friend now was really Axe. There was a long story behind all that. You could probably pick up, uh, probably ask our friendly neighborhood Andalite about it, but it was a story. I, it wasn't a story I could tell my father. Yep. Uh, his dad says that he's working at a project he can't talk about for a company called Matcom. Uh, and Marco digs in a little deeper, building a better bomb. And here's where it gets real, uh, listeners. So I'm just going to read the rest of this two-page chapter to you. Um, he didn't answer for a few seconds. Then, in a strange voice, he said, I've never done weapons research. I was actually surprised. Why not? You going to eat that chicken or just tease it? He gave me a long look, like he was trying to decide if I was old enough to hear what he was going to say. I picked up the chicken breast. Chicken wasn't crow, after all. It was your mom, he said. I stopped eating. The last year, year and a half, before, you know, before. It was like this perfect time for us. He smiled at some picture only he could see. We used to fight every now and then when you were younger, like most couples. But then it was as, but then it was as if all our problems were gone, settled. Maybe I had changed. Maybe she had. I don't know. I felt cold fingers around my heart. It was the best time of my life, he said. It was like we'd achieved some level of perfect peace and perfect love. But at the same time, there were these times when your mom would seem upset like she was struggling with some problem she wouldn't tell me about. I had stopped breathing. I knew. I knew now when the change had been made. The perfect love my father was talking about was the yerk at work in my mother's head. The yerk wasn't interested in stupid little domestic battles. It wanted peace so that it could focus on deeper goals. Anyway, one day I woke up in the middle of the night. Your mom was sitting up in bed, wide awake. I knew she'd had a bad dream or something, but it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. It was just... He shook his head. It was so strange. She sounded like she was trapped in a deep well and trying to call out to me. There were tears in my eyes. I hoped my father wouldn't notice. She said, they won't take you if you stay away from the military. 
It didn't make sense, but the way she said it, like it was the hardest thing she'd ever said, like it was the most important thing she'd ever said. I had some idea just how hard it had been for my mother to say that. Sometimes, when there is some terrible need, the human being crushed beneath the yerk can force its way out. It can seize control for a few desperate seconds. They say the price the human host pays is terrible. The yerk has mental tortures it can carry on for weeks. My mother, my real mother, had struck when the yerk was distracted and for a few seconds regained control. Anyway, my dad said, I know it was just your mom having a bad dream, but ever since then, whenever an opportunity came up to do defense work, I just got this bad feeling about it. I couldn't even pretend to eat anymore. Dad, are you thinking about taking on a military project now? He avoided my gaze. There are some very exciting things going on with this MATCOM. The thing they want me on isn't military in any way, but... Well, they do carry on some very secret work. I guess some of what they do is probably military. There it was, the reason Tom was trying to get me to bring my father to the sharing. My father was working on some project that the Yerks wanted to control. My mother had warned him. It may have been the last words that she, the real human woman, ever spoke to him. He was going to ignore that warning, and now the Yerks wanted him. I am emotion. Uh, so we get the answer to the question that Marco posed at the very beginning of how many of mm-hmm. his goodnight kisses from his mom were actually from the Yerk. And the answer is about a year and a half of them. Ugh. There's just something about the notion of like Marco's mom breaking through just in that moment to protect... Mm-hmm the person that she loved yep yep good shit